Grace and peace be with you from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Years ago, one of the men's group up in Wisconsin decided to put a conference on about fishing, a fishing seminar, if you will. And so they hired this fisherman to show up and to present. Now, I'll be honest, I wasn't able to actually go. I had to help work in the front uh, as people were going in and out and so on and so forth. But I got to get a lot of people's reactions as as they were leaving for, for whatever reasons. And I would sit and talk to them for at least a few seconds and kind of get just how they, how they enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it as it was. And I was always surprised and amazed at everybody's reaction. Some people really loved it. They really enjoyed it. They loved being able to, to, to pick this guy's brain and kind of see what, what he thought and how he worked and so on and so forth. Some people, though, I think they were going into it hoping to find practical knowledge. And so they came out kind of a little dismayed, kind of saying, you know, he had a lot of great things to say, but, well, he was using tools and equipment that they were never going to be able to afford. It wasn't very practical. Some of the things and advice that he was giving were just out of reach. This is a guy that had sponsors upon sponsors. He woke up in the morning. His daily grind was to either get ready to go fishing or to be fishing, whether it be competitions and so forth. He was working with engineers to make sure they had the newest and best equipment that would do the newest and the best thing. Nobody else really had access to it. And so it was a little, well, impractical. But some people, as they were leaving, were downright, well, disenchanted or disheartened almost. It was like, it was like they had walked into the seminar with their dream of, of fishing for a living this idea that, that they would wake up in the morning every day for work and take a lawn chair and go down to the river and just go fishing in this real relaxing setting. And so they left a little bit dis, you know, disheartened because this guy didn't do that. He was a professional. He had work to do. His daily grind was going out and going fishing but not in a relaxing kind of way. He didn't just sit by a lawn chair, but was a very active uh, uh, participant in this whole ordeal. So it was a little, well, disheartening for them. I think their dream was that they would just go and relax and fish and somebody would pay them for it. What they discovered is that it takes quite a bit of work, and that's exactly what he was doing. When we think about our relationship with our Lord. All too often, I feel like sometimes we talk the same way they talked coming out of that fishing seminar. They would kind of, we, we have a tendency to kind of phrase it in the same way, don't we? We talk about how maybe it's not quite what we expected, or, or maybe we, we talk about how we have this great relationship, but there's a lot of work to do. Or maybe we talk about this relationship we have with our Heavenly Father, but it's just nothing what we ever dreamed or envisioned it would be. We expected God to act like this, and instead we found out that the Almighty Creator of all didn't quite do what we thought He was going to do. So we find ourselves almost disenchanted by it all. And we think about that. And as we dwell upon this, our relationship with our Lord, and we think about this, it can. It can be disenchanting at times. But some of it comes from us. When we look at this relationship with our Heavenly Father as if it's all a bunch of work that we have to do. 
Don't get me wrong. Prayer and praise are important. They are good things. We need to go to our Heavenly Father in prayer and in praise. But if we truly think that the relationship we have with our Lord is all up to us, we find ourselves mistaken. Whenever we think about our relationship with our Heavenly Father, I think a great example to dwell on is Peter. Simon Peter. The same Simon Peter who seems to be going back and forth all the time. The same Simon Peter who said he would rather die than fall away from the Lord and then later that same night denies Jesus three times. The same Peter who is, has his confession of who Christ Jesus is be the foundation of the church and yet in the same conversation is told by Jesus to get behind him Satan. But so much of it can even be summarized even in our text for today where we have Simon Peter. Simon Peter the fisherman. Not the kind of fisherman that had the seminar. No, the the fisherman that we had at the seminar was more of a competition. He would go to the various competitions and win the prize money. No, Peter did it more like he needed to catch fish to take to market with nets and co-workers and so on. This is Simon Peter, the kind of guy who could work all night long and have nothing to show for it, come up empty. And Jesus tells him, after this hard night, to go out and to cast his net. And in the midst of that, he actually catches a bunch of fish, a huge, a huge amount of fish. Now, if we stop the story right there, and if we didn't read the rest of the text, and if you guys had never even heard the rest of the text, and you didn't know anything else about Peter, and I said, hey, how do you guys think the story is going to end? You might think, oh, he's going to go give Jesus a high five, he's going to give him a hug, he's going to rejoice, maybe he's going to bow down and praise God for the great and wonderful gift that he has, and that he has received. We would say all kinds of answers, but I doubt any of us would say, oh, he's going to He's going to fall to his knees and say, go away. I doubt most of us would think, oh yeah, Peter's going to say, get out. Go away, Jesus. I don't want you near me. But you see, one of the things that we as Christians need to understand is that Peter is standing before the cross. That is to say, Peter was taught in a first century Jewish society. He knew about what happened to sinners when they were in the presence of God. And a miracle just took place. He probably didn't think Jesus was God, but he probably thought he was a prophet or somehow God's presence was active. And he knew that he was a sinner. And he knew what happened to sinners when they stood in the presence of God. How many times in the Old Testament is Israel punished for being sinful? The Babylonian captivity, the whole book of Judges. People do what they think is right in their own eyes, but they go against the will of the Lord and they are punished for it. Even the story of Uzzah. Uzzah, who was not worthy to stand in the presence of God, who touches the Ark of the Covenant and falls over dead because he is a sinner. Yes, Peter knows what happens when a sinner stands in the presence of God and it is not good. Peter understands only one side. He has not seen what Jesus is about to do. He does not know where Jesus is heading. He does not know that Jesus is heading to the cross to pay the price to redeem sinners. He doesn't know it. All he knows is that a miracle just happened 
and he, Peter, is a sinful man. As Christians in the modern day, we have a tendency to fall on the other side. We know the cross. We know that Jesus died for us. We know that he has redeemed us from our sins. And so all too often we think lightly of our sins. We look at our own sin and we think it's not a big deal. We look at our own failings and we think it's all just okay. We fail to see the severity of our own sin. We fail to look at sin and say, yes, that separates us from God. Yes, that's worthy of death and damnation. Instead, we only see the cross. But to some degree, that's good. Yes, we need to understand the severity of our sin, absolutely. But it's also good that we can look at the cross and we can see all that Jesus has done for us and we can rest knowing that our sins have been forgiven, that we have been redeemed, bought back by Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, that we know the rest of the story, the story that Peter, at this point in time in the text, simply does not know. So we can rejoice in that. But we can also go a step further. Let us not forget the end of the text. It's time, brothers and sisters in Christ, to go fishing with Jesus. No, no. Not the same way as the guy with the seminar. No, we're not going to go fishing like that. We're not going to go fishing like Peter. We're not going to go out in the Sea of Galilee with big nets. But you see, we have both sides of the story. We have, we have sin and the cross. We have and know what it means to repent of sin and to feel that forgiveness that we have received through Christ Jesus. We have both sides, and we have a world outside that doesn't. All too often we run into people outside in the world that don't even know that they're sinning and that don't think about sin. They don't think about evil and they don't think about how it separates them from God. And they need to hear the news of Christ. Even the harsh news of sin and the law. And there's a whole lot of other people out there that know they're sinning. That know they've made mistakes. That know that they fall short of the glory of God but they don't know what to do about it. They need to hear about the very cross of Christ. They need to hear that their sins have been forgiven because of what Jesus has done for them. That he suffered and that he died for their sake and for their salvation. Yes, it's a different kind of fishing. It's different all the way around. But we need to go fishing with Jesus. We need to tell other people about the good news of all that Christ has done for us. In his name. Amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time, please stand.